Good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Judy Armitage, and I serve as director of Back to Basics Tutoring, a shepherding deacon, and an usher in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. We do not presume to come to your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own goodness, but in your all-embracing love and mercy. We are not worthy even to gather up the crumbs under your table, but it is your nature to always to have mercy. So feed us with the body and blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, that we may forever live in him and he in us. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Let us stand for the call to worship. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Let us worship God. The psalmist in Psalm 32 tells us that happy are they whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sin is put away. Happy are they to whom the Lord imputes no guilt and in whose spirit there is no guile. Come, let us confess our sin to our God. Eternal God, whose covenant with us is never broken, we confess that we fail to fulfill your will. Though you have bound yourself to us, we will not bind ourselves to you. In Jesus Christ, you serve us freely, but we refuse your love and withhold ourselves from others. We do not love you fully or love one another as you command. In your mercy, forgive and cleanse us. Lead us once again to your table and unite us to Christ, who is the bread of life and the vine from which we grow in grace. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord is our hiding place and preserves us from all trouble. The Lord surrounds us with shouts of deliverance. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel.
we now affirm our faith together in reciting the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, as God's beloved forgiven children, let us greet one another in Christ's name. Welcome to Church of the Palms on this warm fall morning. <laughs> we were praying for this for a long time, so we can't complain, right? It's good to have you all here this morning as we gather together under the umbrella of God's grace. We hope that you will find this to be a place of welcome. We encourage you to fill out the friendship pads which are in the pews and pass those along to your neighbor, hoping that you will recognize some unrecognized names and that uh, you may find that as a spur to begin a conversation with someone you don't know so that you can begin to welcome a new person perhaps into our midst. We have great things going on in the life of our church. Our bulletin, of course, is, uh, continues to be filled with many, many opportunities. Next week, we have a new members class, so if you have not yet thought about or considered membership here but would like to, we invite you to come next Sunday after the first service over in the chapel where there'll be a time for you to learn about what does it mean to be a member here at Church of the Palms. In a couple of weeks, we'll have the inauguration of our new concert series, and uh, we are excited about that. We hope that you'll join us. It will be a wonderful opportunity to enjoy some jazz music and a chance for you to just enjoy the weekend with us and uh, music. We encourage you to take a look at that announcement in the bulletin. Uh, and we know that you'll love being with us for that. We uh, have an immediate need. If you're wondering, if you came this morning saying, what can I do to help out? I bet all of you came wondering what you could do to help out. We could use a little help cleaning communion wear after the service. And uh, if you have nothing that you're going off to and would like to help us out, just head over to that door over there. Say, I'd like to help. Take a few minutes, clean up some dishes, and uh, we would be greatly benefited by your help with us in that. And then I invite you to open up your bulletin to pages 18 and 19. And I just want to highlight something that appears in our bulletin every Sunday, and that is our mission spotlight. Martha Church, a relatively new member of our church, does a wonderful job of uh, highlighting for us a, a particular mission of our church every Sunday. And we invite you to always take a look at that, take it home, read it, uh, and be in prayer for that partner that she's speaking of in uh, this particular part of our bulletin so that we can continue to be wondering how God is at work in our life and, and also realizing the amazing things that are happening here at Church of the Palms, what you do to support that. And so we invite you to always look at that section in your bulletin. And then if you look at pages 20, uh, let's see here, 20 through 23, 
you will see opportunities for you to be involved in ministry. And we always invite you to take a look at those things. There's always something there that perhaps might nudge you to uh, be a part of our life here at Church of the Palms. And we'll have an opportunity to invite you into those things specifically each week. But we uh, hope that you will take a moment to review those things as we go about our life together. And then lastly, turn back to page seven. And there you will see the names of 68 of our church family who have died this past year and have gone to receive their heavenly reward. As you review that list of people, perhaps you'll see people you know, people that you were friends with, people that walked with you in your own discipleship path, people that uh, you know whose spouses you are walking alongside of even now as they mourn the loss of their beloved one and so as we keep these names in mind, I now invite you to back to page five of your bulletin where we will join together in our litany for all saints. God of all ages, we praise you for all of your servants who having lived this life in faith, now live eternally with you. For disciples and martyrs and saints of every time and place, for those who have served bravely, witnessed faithfully, and whose light still shines in the world. For those who have known and loved, who by their faithful obedience and strong hope have shown to us the mind of Christ. And for those of our church family whom we now remember in silence. Keep us grateful for their witness. Give us a sure faith that we may without fear trust those who are dear to us to your never failing love. And then at the last, bring us with them into the inheritance you have promised in Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Let's now continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
Let us pray. O most merciful and gracious God, from whose open hand we all have received much, we ask you to accept this offering of your people. Remember in your love those who have brought it. Remember also those persons and purposes for which it is given. So follow this sacrifice with your blessing, that it may promote peace and goodwill, help those who are in need, and advance the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And now we invite the children to come forward for the children's moment with Jen Clifton. Morning, everybody. Come on, find a seat. Come on. Excellent. I see everybody's got their coats and their warm sweaters on this morning. Good job. Good job. All right, I want to tell you a little story. I don't know if this ever happens to you guys after dinner, but even after I have eaten a fabulous dinner and it tasted so, so good, sometimes I'm still hungry. And I'm hungry for dessert. Does that ever happen to you guys? Yeah? yeah? Okay. So the other night, I needed some dessert, and first I went to the cookie jar, hoping that there might be some double-stuffed Oreos. Oh, they're my favorite. But I took the lid off the cookie jar. It was empty. So I had, needed another idea. This time, I went to the freezer, hoping for chocolate moose tracks ice cream. But I opened the door. There was none. Oh my goodness, this was getting serious now. So I headed to the pantry, and thankfully, Inside the pantry, I found chocolate pudding mix. Everything was going to be okay now. But I was a little concerned because I'm not a great cook, and I didn't know how much was involved in making pudding. So I read the directions. You guys are going to love this. It, there's very few directions. All I have to do is mix this quickly with two cups of cold milk, pour it into individual cups, put it in the fridge, and five minutes later, chocolate pudding. It was that simple, and it was delicious. So I had this problem that seemed really big, because I mean, I was really hungry for dessert. But I found a solution, I followed the simple directions, and everything was fine. So I want to tell you a story this morning about a man we find in the Bible named Naaman. And he struggled a little bit with following directions. So let me back up a little bit, tell you a little bit about him. He was the commander of an army for the king of Syria. And he was really good at his job. He won a lot of battles. So he became famous and rich, and he had a nice house and servants. I mean, he had it all, right? But he had a big problem, too. He had something called leprosy. He had sores all over his body. This is a pretty big problem, probably more serious than my dessert issue. But. And he was looking for a solution to this problem. Well, one day, a servant of his wife's told her that he should go see Elisha, and Elisha would be able to tell him how to solve his problem and how to cure his leprosy. So he decided to go ahead and go and make the trip to see Elisha. And when he got there, now remember, Naaman was famous, rich, powerful, commanded a whole army. People notice him when he walks into town. So he was expecting a big deal to be made out of him, maybe some sort of ceremony of healing where the whole town came out to see his leprosy be cured. But that's not what happened. When he got to Elisha's house, Elisha didn't even come outside and say hello. He sent a message out to him, and he said, go down to the Jordan River and clean yourself off in the water seven times, and then everything's going to be okay. Well, first, Naaman kind of took a step back, and, and he was looking for the big deal. He was looking for, for the big celebration to be made that this powerful man had come to town, and he was about to be saved in front of everyone. He was going to be healed. Everything was going to be great. Where was the big to-do? But there wasn't. So then he started thinking about the advice he got, and he's like, this, this really, this isn't going to work. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure he'd probably taken a bath already and tried to get rid of the spots on him, right? He's thinking, why is this going to work all of a sudden? This is too simple. I'm, nah, I'm not going to do this. I'll go look for another plan. 
But the men who were with him talked to him, and they convinced him, Let, let's go ahead, let's listen, let's try these directions, and let's see how it works out. So he goes down to the Jordan River, gets into the water, cleans himself off seven times, and it worked. He was all better. It really was as simple as following God's directions that Elisha gave him. And we can remember that because we have problems too, right? Things don't go right for us sometimes. And I don't know about you guys or these grown-ups behind me, but sometimes I try everything to fix my problems except what God was telling me to do. And if I would stop and read my Bible and follow God's directions, his solutions really can be that simple. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, when we face life's problems, help us to be willing to follow the direction which you have given in your holy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I always like the story the way they tell it. <laughs> <clears throat> we are continuing our journey, watching the unfolding providences of God and the great story of God as it comes to us in these pages of the Old Testament. Last week we looked at the wisdom of Solomon, the wisdom of asking for wisdom. Today we find ourselves in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and this great story of Naaman. So hear the word of God. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Aramans on one of their raids had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel and she served Naaman's wife and she said to her mistress, if only my Lord were with the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord just what the girl from the land of Israel had said and the king of Aram said, go then and I will send along a letter to the king of Israel. He went taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of garments. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, when this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you my servant Naaman, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, am I God to give death or life that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in a rage. But his servants approached him and said to him, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said to you was wash and be clean. So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy. And he was clean. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. 
by your grace and through your mercy, you would invite us down to the river to find from you the cleansing grace we need. Allow then these words to point to this word and to the word made flesh that we may as well respond to your invitation to find your healing in Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> Many of us know the story by Hans Christian Andersen entitled The Emperor's New Clothes about the emperor of a land whose first and primary concern is his wardrobe that he's wearing and his appearance to his subjects. His eagerness for the latest style leaves him vulnerable to a couple of swindlers who convince him of their ability to make clothes so fine that they can be seen only by those fit for their positions. So the emperor falls for it, convinces himself that what he can't see, he really can see, and dons for his public clothes that are really not clothes. And because they can only be seen by those fit for their positions, no one wants to admit that the emperor has no clothes. Finally, as the emperor processes through the city, a little child along the parade route cries, but the emperor has nothing at all on. Though the parents try to hush the child, just that one statement is enough for the crowd, including the emperor, to come to terms with the fact that the emperor has no clothes. Sometimes the hardest person to see is you. A long time ago, I learned from my driver's education teacher about something called a blind spot. Whenever you get behind the wheel, he said, understand, always understand, you have a blind spot. You have three mirrors, you have six windows, but there is a place you still cannot see. You are most vulnerable, said Mr. Walney, when you fail to remember your blind spot. The story of the Syrian general named Naaman is one of those many surprise stories of the Bible. It's one of those stories where God appears to be up to something that's hard for his people to see. They have their blind spots. The Syrian general has been afflicted with leprosy and is desperate for healing, but there was no cure for leprosy for these leprous spots on his skin. It rendered him unclean and highly contagious, at least that's what people thought back then. We've learned a lot about leprosy since. No one in the modern world thinks that leprosy makes anyone unclean. Afflicted by this ancient stigma, Naaman learns of a prophet in Israel, Elisha, who is reported to have healing power. So Naaman approaches the king of Israel with a letter of reference from his own king, but the king is so wrapped up in his own political fiefdom, he refuses to see what Israel could do for this Syrian. Now the story is about politics. God's beside the point, healing's beside the point. It's, what's, it's who's on what side of the border that is mattering now. So the king of Israel refuses the Syrian. He has his blind spot when it comes to God being up to something in the story. And finally, Elisha speaks up to the king and says, send him to me. So Naaman and his men and his chariots ride up to the prophet's house and assume that the prophet will come out and do some hand waving and some hocus pocus and it will all be over. This is as much as the general will stoop to have happen. But that's not what the prophet does, as we know. Instead, the prophet does not even come out of his house, doesn't even greet the high king, the high general. And instead, he orders that the general should go and wash himself in the Jordan seven times. Excuse me? Excuse me? Does he not know who he's dealing with? Do I not garner a little bit more respect? Furthermore, the Jordan River is a sorry excuse for a river. It doesn't even touch the rivers of my land. All this, of course, being said by a man with spots all over his skin. Spots he and everybody else can see, but apparently the one spot that Naaman can't see is his blind spot and his blind spot is his pride. 
He can't see his pride. He, he can't see the one thing that is keeping him from his own healing, his own pride. He'd rather forego the healing than own up to his pride. But his advisors talk sense to him, and he goes down to the yucky Jordan, and he washes seven times and is made clean. Sometimes the hardest person to see is you. Sometimes the hardest healing to affect is your own. It's interesting that Jesus recounted this story to the Nazarenes when he had made a visit back to his hometown. He was in the middle of talking about how he was perhaps the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy to preach good news to the poor, healing to the blind, and release to the captives. And then he says, Jesus does, to his hometown crowd, you know, you guys might be the last to understand. You know me so well, Jesus says to his hometown crowd, you know me so well you may not know me. And then he goes on to say, you know, there were lots of lepers in Israel, but the only leper that Elisha healed was not in Israel, but from far, far away. The last place he concludes to his hometown crowd for a prophet to be welcomed is in his hometown crowd. But the Nazarenes couldn't see this, of course, and they were enraged, of course, and they took Jesus to the edge of the cliff, of course, and they wanted to throw him off, of course. They saw everything except for what was right in front of them. It's not a new story for the people of Israel. They've seen this over and over again. King Saul goes looking for a good second in command, but the blind spot of his insecurity prevents him from seeing that the candidate, the best candidate for second in command is the second in command, the brilliant soldier David. Samuel goes looking for the next king of Israel, but he can't seem to find him among the oldest of Jesse's sons because the blind spot of tradition says it has to be the oldest and he can't see the new king of Israel standing in front of him who happens to be the youngest. King David can't seem to see that he has literally everything and he can't see the growing lust inside him for one more thing and with it he throws away his integrity. Solomon asks for and receives wisdom, but even with all that wisdom, he can't quite see what it means to follow after God's own heart. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, the righteous ones, the learned ones, the holy ones, they can't see standing in front of them the righteous one, the learned one, the holy one. Sometimes the hardest person to see is you. Sometimes the hardest healing to affect is your own. Some of you remember the incident involving General George S. Patton, one of the commanding U.S. generals of World War II. He had risen the ranks, destined it appeared for what he believed his life purpose was to command the armies in an operation as important and as strategic as D-Day but his lust for battle and displays of courage got the better of him when he slapped and berated two soldiers inside of a week who were suffering from shell shock. PTSD is likely what we would call it today. The brilliant general could see everything except what he couldn't see and lost his chance to command the invasion of Normandy. What he couldn't see is what kept him from what he most wanted to do. So today on this All Saints Sunday, we have remembered the scores of those in our family who have fought the good fight, finished the course, and kept the faith. They have gone to their reward. And maybe on their way, they've been given the chance to see all those things they could not see while they were with us all those blind spots. Isn't that what the apostle promised, that now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, 
Now we know in part, but then we shall know fully, even as we have been fully understood. I can imagine that day, me as a preacher, face to face with my creator. Will I laugh or will I cry when he tells me all the times I stood before the people thinking that this black robe was covering up all my brokenness and blindness when the title of my degree kept me from seeing those things right in front of me? Will I laugh or will I cry when God by his grace shows me all those things I could not see about myself, all those things I could not see about other people, all the blind spots. Preacher, maybe he'll say, preacher, heal thyself. And of course I'll say, but I can't. And he'll say to me, and yes to you, and yes to all the saints, come to the table. You are forgiven. See yourself now as I have always seen you. It is the good news. There is a balm in Gilead. There is one who prepares for us the feast. 
as one who welcomes all to this table to come and find here the sacrifice, the sacrificial love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So come, not because you have it all together. Come, not because you have any sense of perfection in your own soul. Come, because you know you need grace. Come, bringing your blind spots. Come, bringing all those things for which you don't even know you need forgiveness for. Come, and be received by the gracious love of our Savior. Hear the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. The same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. and said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat of this, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again and he will come again. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, what wondrous love is this that your body would be broken and your blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And Lord, as we come to this table, we know we come not because we deserve anything, but because you love us. Welcome us to this table, O oh Lord. We bring to you our brokenness, our sinfulness. We bring to you all those things we do not understand. We bring to you our doubts. And we trust that you will gather us up through the communion of your Holy Spirit and welcome us into your grace. Allow these common gifts to become for us the feast of the kingdom that we may truly know what it means to live in the way and the truth and the life. For we pray this in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord took bread.
maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. For surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. After supper, Jesus took the cup.
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and he who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only Son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his Son to be the worthy sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. For no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Lord, we give you thanks for having fed us with this holy meal. We pray now that you'll send us out into the world to share your love and grace with all we meet and to make disciples for the service of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.